So we do our Bible Institute now on Wednesday nights, and uh, if you didn't know that, cool. Anybody's welcome to come. You'll, you'll get something out of it every lesson if you don't make them all, but you'll get something. We do have a Bible Institute uh, that you can be a part of if you'd like. It's all free. You can earn an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree if you want. There's 104 courses online that are all available to you, and um, that's free, and we do that. It comes through us. We have 560 students as of earlier today from all over the world. And uh, which is very cool because I just figured we'd get a few students from here when I started it. But boom, welcome to the internet. And now we have students all over, uh, all over. It's pretty fascinating. So um, we're we're talking about the, we're actually doing a Bible course called. Oh, did it look bad? I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, and we're great. Hi, Facebook. Um, And the white styrofoam cup, classy, right? Well, I had my water in it, and now you moved it, and now I'm very thirsty again. Sorry. It's a subliminal thing. Now I just walked off the camera. We're really good at this stuff live. We're fancy. So, But before I get in today, I wanted to do a couple of things, because a uh, very interesting day today, February 14th. So if Valentine's Day was one of the things... Um, and I, if, if you didn't take one, please, we had a cup with some candy in it for everybody. So there's some in the back, but there's some left on the tables. There's some by the door. Nice coffee cup and candy. It's a, a gift for you. Um, and uh, that was uh, about Valentine's Day. Um, Valentine's Day uh, is uh, the history of it. You know, it's a, uh, it's a church holiday actually, so historical church holiday, um, and uh, it, it started, there's, it, it kind of, they're not exactly sure, there's different theories about how it started, but uh, St. Valentine was in third century Rome, and the emperor at the time, Claudius, decided that uh, uh, single men made better soldiers, and so he forbade soldiers from being married, and uh, one version of the story is that Valentine continued to perform the wedding of young soldiers who were in love. Claudius had Valentine in prison and ultimately killed. But while he was in prison, uh, the story is that he fell in love with a jailer's daughter, and Valentine sent her a card and signed it, Love Your Valentine. And there you go. And, uh, and that's the church history of it. The, the thing that we experience now culturally started in 1840 or 1850 with Valentine's cards. And now there's like a billion and a half Valentine's cards that are given out every year. But that wasn't part of the original thing. So it was just by Valentine, an early church saint. Some stories say there were two guys with the same name and that they were actually both executed on February 14th, a year apart, by the same emperor. So he didn't like anybody named Valentine, apparently. Um, but uh, so he uh, died about 270 A.D.s. Um, the, uh, so, you know, whenever you have a holiday like this, and there'll, there'll be all sorts of talk from both sides. Uh, some, uh, some of the th thought is that, uh, that this was an attempt to sort of Christianize uh, a pagan Roman celebration, uh, celebration called Lupercalia. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, people always go, you know, well, should Christians celebrate those things? There's no biblical reason why. You should and why you shouldn't. Uh, but it's certainly not a bad thing to give your loved ones a card or a box of candy or uh, flowers. Can't hurt. So, uh, so there you go. Um, 
But but some people have a real strong feeling that any secular holiday is off. I you know it's not us. So uh, there you go. I, and and ultimately it shouldn't be enough of a cause to bring division amongst us as believers. That's one of those things over there. Anyway, so I, I didn't want to slip you know just go by without saying anything about it. And then the cups are for you and the candy. Then it's also uh, what other day? What else is going on today? Do you know? Ash Wednesday. And people ask me about Ash Wednesday all the time. Do you celebrate Ash Wednesday? Uh, Ash Wednesday is another uh, church um, sort of celebrated uh, holiday. Uh, it, it, it's not early church, and it's not uh, in the Bible uh, as a celebration. There are um, lots of uh, references in the Bible to people who would, when they were going through things, would pour ash over themselves as a way of repentance uh, and those sorts of things. Um, but it popped into the church. Um, it, it looks to me like it popped in around 800 A.D., where it became a, a steady sort of thing. It might have been a little later, might have been a little sooner. Um, and, uh, you know, it's developed over time. Now the uh, ashes that the churches that celebrate it, it's not only the Catholic Church, the, uh, the Anglican Church celebrates it, the parts of the Lutheran Church celebrate it. Um, the ashes that they use are from the previous year's palm fronds. Uh, from Palm and then, and so they're used, and it's uh, you know symbolic of what's happening when they do that. So if you saw somebody walking around today with ashes, that was what's going on. Uh, it's always on a Wednesday. There's no Ash Thursday or Ash Monday. Uh, it's uh, always on a Wednesday, and it marks 40 days. So then it starts a period called Lent, which is also not in the Bible, and uh, um, <laughs> so so people ask about that. And what is Lent is a sort of the, the church at some point decided it would be a good way to prepare for um, Easter, which, you know, the big the big sort of celebration of the year to spiritually prepare people. So in that, I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, they, the church historically uh, made it a time of sort of self-denial, uh, moderation, fasting. Um, and so, you know, it was a time to really just prepare for the celebration of the resurrection of the Lord, which we celebrate all the time, but um, it's that kind of thing. So some people at Lent will forego something for the 40-day period. Uh, if you count right now, 40 days from now, it, you would find out it's not Easter, and you go, well, why isn't it 40 days to Easter? It's 40 days not counting. Do you know what days they don't count on the run-up? Sundays. So there you go. Maybe you learned something new. So it's 40 days plus the Sundays between now and Easter. Um, but once this kicks in, you know that uh, it's a, it's a, we're coming close to Easter. Isn't that amazing? It's we're coming as a church staff. We're we're very much aware of when that comes because that's a very big deal, and we're we got a lot of stuff already going on. So uh, we're getting ready for that. We are just, uh, just so you know. We had a we did something for the first time last Easter. We did an indoor sunrise service. How many of you came to that? Somebody? We're doing it again. It was a hit. So uh, that was fun. Air-conditioned sunrise service, no bugs. It's very cool. Well, very few bugs, anyway. All right. So um, the the thing about it, if you are, you know, if some, if you choose to fast or something, you're supposed to. It should be a very private thing. Biblically, Jesus says that it should be something you don't make a big deal over. And uh, you're you're not, you know, we're not. Some people try and sort of use it as a bargaining tool with God, fasting, and that's not what it's for. Uh, uh, it's supposed to, the reality is a biblical fast, now and then we see some guys 
some folks fasting 40 days. So we know that's a, that's a biblical number. But a normal biblical fast is sundown to sundown. And it was never supposed to be a show. And really what it was was you would eat dinner one day, and then you, you would not eat again until dinner the following day. That was a biblical fast. And the time that you saved in preparing breakfast and lunch, you were supposed to hang out with the Lord. And uh, so that's a biblical fast. So anything that you choose to, if you choose to give something up for this season, that uh, would be something that you may or may not do. It ultimately should be something that draws you closer to the Lord. That's that's the whole deal, and what it's all about. You're not you don't earn anything. It's not uh, it's not any of those things. It's just um, you know something that you can do if you want. All right. So not right, wrong, indifferent. Not going there with any of that. Okay. There you go. That explains the days. So. What we're doing is we're working through a course together from Harvest Time uh, called Creative Bible Study Methods, and uh, it just seemed appropriate that we take some time, because not always does that happen where you're, you're in a situation where someone will actually just talk about what it means to study the Bible. If you come here, you know I'm always on you to read the Bible and, and uh, to make it part of your life, but, but how do we actually study the Bible? So we've been looking at Bible study methods, and uh, we finished up last week talking about how to study a book of the Bible, and I gave you some ideas on how you sort of take it apart and write things down and have a little list, and it's good to study a book. Well, we're going to start breaking it down today a little bit more into um, slightly smaller studies, but very, effect, uh, very effective studies. So the first thing that I want to talk about today that the Course talks about is a chapter study, a chapter study. And so um, there's where you would take a chapter of Scripture and you decide to really, you're going to really work through a chapter uh, in a book of the Bible, and you're just going to kind of hang out there for a little while, and you're going you're gonna to study it. You're going you're gonna to really pursue it. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about chapters today and paragraphs and verses and words and how we study those things. Because the Bible is a fascinating, amazing, alive book, and it's worthy of a lot of time uh, and spending it and hanging with it. And I want to encourage you to do that. Um, a lot of believers... This is not a, not picking on anybody. Still haven't read it, and uh, you gotta read the book. Just got to. Uh, and so, if you haven't, not not guilting you or anything, take some time to read the book. And and it can be a little tricky to read, but it's a great read, and it's you should read it. But and you should study it as well. So, um, chapter study, kind of what the title conveys, is a study of God's word, chapter by chapter, and so. There's some steps in it. So what you want to do is you, you decide, okay, this would be a great chapter for me. Pick a book. You want, okay, I want, to, I want to look at this chapter of Scripture. could be whatever you choose it to be. And so then just read through the chapter, kind of read through the chapter, and then give it a title. I like to do that. You, you, if you think about, okay, what's, what should the title of it? And that's how, that's how you begin to study. You have to think through what would be a good title for what I just read. And you give it a title and you write it down. Then in a chapter study, you need to actually mark the paragraph divisions in your Bible. Um, and I don't know if you know this about Bibles, but they, they break the paragraphs, so they, they go verse by verse, but they do the paragraphs different depending on the Bible. I wish I had really brought my glasses today, but, uh, but fortunately I have large print. So when you're reading a chapter of Scripture, depending on what translation of the Bible you have, some Bibles, and this is really interesting when you read it, you may not have noticed before, actually have paragraph symbols at the beginning of a paragraph. You know that little double line symbol with a 
sort of the backwards top of a P going through it. You know what a paragraph symbol is? Those are in your Bibles. You may not know it. That's the beginning of a paragraph. Uh, they're listed that way. Some Bibles uh, actually have when the beginning of a paragraph inside a chapter, the number that starts it is darker than all the rest of them. It's in boldface, and that's the beginning of a paragraph. Some of your Bibles are broken down, and it's very clear because they sort of subtitle it chapter by chapter, so when they are paragraph by paragraph, so when they hit the end of a paragraph, they put a little subtitle there, and they go to the next one. So your paragraphs aren't generally your indents when you're reading the Bible. You know how you sort of think that every time you see an indentation, it's a paragraph? It's not in the Bible. All right? Sometimes it's just the beginning of a new verse, and they indent them over, and sometimes they don't. So you sort of need to do a little study and see and see what your particular version of the Bible is and how they mark paragraphs, and you need to go through and mark them yourself. And what you do is when you figure it out, uh, just put a, at the beginning number of the verse that starts a paragraph, circle it and then just circle every beginning paragraph. So you now know where the paragraphs are in your um, chapter study, because we're going to talk about a paragraph study as well. And then, uh, and so you, so you can find them that way. They're either marked for you or they're, they're broken up by subtitles. Draw circles around the number where each paragraph begins. And then do a little chart um, of the things that you've done. List the, list the verses that belong in each paragraph. So if there's two verses in the period, list which ones they are, verse 1 and 3, or in this paragraph, 1, 2, and 3, or, or, you know, 6 and 8, 6 through 8, whatever they are. And, um, and so you write those down, and that will help you sort of create a little outline, and then that's what you should do. And we talked about outlining last week, and I gave you some examples. Very good, just to have a, you know, I like to write those things down, or if you're on your computer, however you want to do it. But I usually, I'm still old school when I'm studying, I'll use a yellow pad, and I'll just write all that stuff down. I don't know why the pad has to be yellow, but it has to be. A white pad is offensive to me. I don't know why. I can't. It's got to be yellow. And I go crazy when I run out, so I always have a stack. I bet I'm the only one still buying them. Because I have everything on computer, but i got to have a stack of yellow pads. Right? The big, nice, big yellow pads. They don't have to be legal size, although that can be a nice ad too, but just the yellow ones. But I have a nice, I always have a bunch in my office. So... Um, you already selected, you know, when we started, a title for the chapter, so that would be the title of your outline, and then just go ahead and list the paragraph divisions and the paragraph titles, and then sort of, um, you know, on your outline, main points, sub points, do that kind of thing, and that will help you on your chapter study. So then you have a chapter study. Well, then uh, you might say, well, why did we break it down by paragraph? Well, another really good way to study a Bible is a paragraph at a time. You're really getting breaking it down now. Yeah, a paragraph, and sometimes you can find a lot. So, so how do you do a paragraph study? Well, to do a paragraph study, you've got to start with a chapter study because that's going to break it down for you, all right? So that's one of the reasons we do a chapter study sometimes. And then each chapter is composed of paragraphs, and paragraphs are groups of verses about the same subject. And so when the subject changes, a new paragraph begins. That's why I wanted you to see what happens. Uh, and how they're marked, because it's changing subjects, all right? And, and uh, as you do that, you'll start to see how the paragraphs relate to one another, and, and the, the, the way they relate makes for a very interesting study, so what you need to do is observe the details of the paragraph. Did you know that the Bible was this involved? See, it's fascinating, right? So, and it's, when you start taking it a little deeper, you'll be amazed at stuff that pops out to you, because... You, as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in you who just starts illuminating the Word. I like to call it like, it's like it actually will start to almost, you feel like it's lighting up 
as you study it when you spend some time in it. So the paragraphs relate to each other in different ways, and there's some things you need to look at. There's these connective things going on, so you may want to write down these in your notes. These, these little connectives are very important because they reveal relationships between the paragraphs. So the word but, uh, B-U-T, just one T, is a connective. Uh, and and uh, it includes a contrast. So you know if it says but. So there's going to be a contrast in the next paragraph. Other connective words are like, as, um, uh, and, and instead of contrast, those, those paragraphs will show comparisons between things. Uh, the word and is another connective that you need to look for. Uh, and and uh, it just adds to what's been stated. So if you see an and, it's going to add to, even though it's a new subject, it's added to the subject before it. Uh, if you see the word if, uh, it introduces a conditional statement. And it's important that you see it. The word that sets forth a purpose um, of what's going to happen. It's a connective word. Um, it tells that something happened in order that a certain purpose would be accomplished. And so we want to look at how those things relate. The other, other words you can watch for are for and because. And then one of my favorites, therefore. She, Alicia knew it was coming. Why do I like therefore? Because I tell people when you read the word therefore in the Bible, you need to find out what it's there for. It means something. Don't read therefore and not go what it's... It, therefore just means, okay, i got to go back up and figure out what it's there for and how it connects because it's very important that you're connecting these thoughts that need to be connected. If they're comparisons or if they're contrasts or if they're adding information or whatever they do. Um, other words are in, into, and with. All of those are very important connectives. And, and so those words indicate relationships between the concepts. Okay? So... As you sort of study a paragraph, you, you want to see the arrangement of ideas and how the verses relate to each other. Uh, you'll see sometimes the author will make a very general statement and then explain it with examples. Other times they'll list a, a sort of series ideas and then summarize those ideas with a general statement. Another thing you want to look for is repetition. So if you're reading the Bible um, and you see a word or a phrase repeated, it's there on purpose. The Holy Spirit had it there to grab your attention. It's like an announcer picking up a microphone and, and saying, you know, okay, pay attention to what I'm about to say. May I have your attention, please? That's why some things are repeated in the Bible. It's there on purpose. It's not a mistake. It's real. Oh, I really need to watch this. Like when Jesus says, uh, and, well, in the NIV, it'd be truly, truly. In the, in the King James or the New King James, it would, you would know it as verily, verily. And you go, why would Jesus say the word truly, truly, or verily, verily? It was pay attention. I'm about to say not everything he said was important, but really pay attention right now. It's because that's what I'm about to say you need to hear. So, so when you hear that, truly, truly, or verily, verily, you read that, really watch it, uh, what's going on, and, and uh, study. If you see words that pop up like that, repeat and study them in detail. You need to see it. And then you also look in a paragraph study for the questions and the answers of the Bible. Often, um, an author will introduce a subject by asking a question, and then he'll explain the question and give answers which relate back to the question. And so if you catch it as you're reading it, it just it, see, these things will open this stuff up in ways that you may not get it by just sort of doing a casual read. And, and anytime you sit down to study in particular, I always say this too when you read, you know, whenever I go to read the Bible, I say, you know, uh, Holy Spirit, would you please illuminate for me what you want me to see? Uh, in this time, and he's very faithful in answering that prayer. 
He, he just does it. Uh, so you want to do that as you sit down to study. Holy Spirit, would you just show me um, what it is that, that I need to see? And because the Bible's alive, you can study it your entire life. And it just keeps opening up to you as the Holy Spirit continues to reveal things to you on the journey. And then um, look for paragraphs that summarize an entire passage or chapter or book. So there's some really key paragraphs, and there will be a summary of everything that you've just read for a little while. And then um, you also want to look for passages of Scripture that have progressions in thought, where they really build on one another all the way up. Those are very interesting in the process. And then um, literary form. If you, if you studied any of that previously, look for it in um, the paragraphs as you read it. Some are written in narrative form. Some are written in story form. Some are in poetic form, um, like the Psalms are all poems. Although, you know, we don't often realize that because they were written in Hebrew and we don't translate it, catch the rhyme or any of the other meter that's in it, but they are. Um, some paragraphs are parables. Uh, they're, they're stories illustrating spiritual truth. Some paragraphs are in dramatic form. There's a lot of stuff going on. Just sort of look behind it and see what's happening. And then uh, when you're doing your paragraph study, you want to look for keywords. And those are words that help you understand the meaning of a paragraph. And those are words that, you know, when you look at it, very important to the meaning of paragraphs. So they're, they're often those words that I talked about that are repeated or that pop up a lot. Like if you're reading the book of Philippians, chapter after chapter, you know the word that keeps popping up? Joy. Joy, 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 joy. Right, well, that was the main thing that was going on, and you need to look at it. And then another little outline, you can do a little paragraph outline and sort of record that stuff. Hey, well, I, you know, studied through that. Um, verse study. So then, then it can come down, uh, you know, you, you survey a Bible book and you do a chapter study within that book. Then you can study the paragraphs within a chapter. And then sometimes you're just going to want to hang out on a verse. And you go, really? And I'm, mm-hmm. So... So like my, one of my examples is, I still do it fairly regularly, but I, I, for a couple of years I hung out on a verse in John, do you want to get well? Because it just, Jesus said it to a guy and, and it just amazed me. And I would think about it every day, that verse. Um, and, and I don't think about it every day anymore, but I think about it every now and again. It'll pop up and I'll go, what? That's such a crazy story. And I'll go back and read the whole thing about how the guy had been there for 38 years and sitting by a place where he should have gotten healed, but he'd gotten very comfortable with where he was and what was going on. And nobody saw him anymore except for Jesus. And I love the fact that Jesus saw him because that's what Jesus does, sees people that nobody else sees. Jesus went over to him, and, and Jesus wanted to pray for him to get healed. But before he did, he asked him, do you really want to get well? Because you've been here a long time. I, I'm wondering, do you, and, you, know, do you, you sure? Because if you get well, you're going to have to change everything. And the guy was like, of course I want to get well. And Jesus said, okay, you're well. And then he was. And <laughs> I love that stuff. And, and, and so I, I, can, I, I have verses like that that pop up. I've been studying the verses on the wall there for 30 years. Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What a powerful, that's a life changer. That's a kingdom dynamic foundational verse. That's, so it went up on the wall. It's one of the first things I did. And I, I think about it all the time, so much so that I put it up there so I can see it. And, and uh, so, so sometimes you'll get a verse, and you'll just hang out in that verse for a while. Uh, and so, you know, what do you do? 
make sure that you're studying the verse in its context. So I can't just have that verse. I got to make sure that verse and the way that I understand that verse fits in with all the other verses that are around it. I can't just pick a verse and take it and take it without the context because I'll make it say something it doesn't say. So you have to be very careful that you don't find a situation and then find a verse for it. So sometimes people will, will try and teach uh, and they will, they will have an idea and then rather than, so then they'll try and find verses that fit with their idea instead of going the other way around. You have to be very careful when someone is doing that because they can get you off track quickly. So what, the best way to do it is to find Bible and then take your, get, get what the Holy Spirit wants you out of that and then you share those things, not in the other way. So you have to be careful because some, some folks will do it the other way and, and you can get in trouble very quickly. So the verse, if you think about it, but make sure that you're thinking about it in context, which is why we did the paragraph study first. Context. Con Bible has to be in context. Get it out of context, and you're going to get messed up, and, and you get somebody teaching out of context, and they can mess you up really bad. So you get a verse, and you, you make sure your understanding of it is in context, and then there's verses that are related to it. Some will be right around it. Some will be in other spots in the Bible, but you need to also have them in context. And then you study how the, the, they sort of fit together. And, and other verses might provide a, a comparison or a contrast. But, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, it might relate well to another book. Or it could be that you're reading sort of the same idea by the same author who wrote numerous books in the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But it's very helpful. But, but remember, context, 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 please. Um, and then do a little outline of that, and, and if you're outlining those things, you can take a verse, and like I said, you can just really break that down, and, and uh, it will really speak to you. Then, believe it or not, you can go from there. You know what you can do from a verse study? You can do a word study. How about that? We can just take it down to a word, and we can just kind of hang out and study a word for a long time, because most of us, let me do a quick survey. How many of you are fluent in Greek or Hebrew or both? Raise your hand. Very good. Yeah. So, me neither. So, we uh, have to um, study uh, based on uh, in, in the translations that we have good translations and that to really take it down, we're probably going to have a couple of translations that we really trust, that we feel are very well, and, and there's a lot of good scholarly stuff happening in those translations that we can tell where they came from. So we're going to have those, and then, and then we're going to use some of the tools that we've talked about so that we can find out what the word, what the meaning of the word in its original language, whether it be Hebrew or Greek, uh, and there's a lot of tools for that now. Unfortunately, online, everybody has access to them. There was a time when I said you used to have to own a concordance and a Bible dictionary and all those things to get at what was going on in that word. Um, but it, it can really have an impact on the meaning of a verse because sometimes it's translated funny, and they miss the whole point. So, like, um, uh, it, it, we, we talk about the, um, the age to come, uh, which is a very sort of theological term, and, and yet many of the uh, translations translate it the world to come, which makes it sound like when Jesus comes back, uh, it's, a, it's a bad translation of what's taking place, this age and the age to come, uh, and they, they'll say this world and the world to come, but it's actually the word A-I-O-N, which is better translated age, and it makes a whole different sort of thing. Um, in uh, Another example would be uh, in when uh, Jesus is reinstating Peter 
And you remember on the beach in John 21, and he's talking to him. He said, you know, Peter, do you love me? And Peter keeps saying, you know, I love you. And he asked him three times. But that word that's there for love keeps changing in the original language. It has a slightly different meaning each time. But to us, it looks like he's saying exactly the same thing every time, and he's not, because the word keeps changing for love. In the Greek, there's four or five words for love. And we only have one word for love, so we keep using the same word, but the, 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 the language is different. So you, you have to sort of take yourself into sometimes that, that level to see what's really going on in the Bible that you're reading. And, uh, and so, you know, just take it in there, determine the meaning of the word, see how it fits, summarize the study of your word, write down possible meanings, look where that word is used in other passages to see if it's continuous, because sometimes they'll take a word and it's different in different passages. Uh, and so you sort of want to get a feel for what's going on and then write down those words that are very important. Okay, that's enough Bible talk for one day. They're looking at me going, Whoa. it's really not too bad, right? You had a book study, you know, chapters, paragraphs, verses, words, and it makes sense. So you can take quite a bit of time breaking it down, really learn a lot. Do that if you're watching on video. Thanks for watching. Come and see us. Hang out with us whenever you get a chance. And uh, we're very uh, happy for the time with you. You guys, if you have prayer requests, why don't you pass them up?